don't have to like everything we say. You don't have to listen to us. Well, now we're going to take a look at an article from the Daily Mail that was sent to me by a viewer who wants to know if it is in fact true or if I'm in fact right. Somebody who claims to be a former CIA officer and probably is stating some things about detecting deception lying, telltale signs of lying that are in fact all horseshit. But he wants to know why they're wrong because he likes the show. He does some research on own said he believes and understands that what I'm saying is psychologically accurate and plenty of studies showing it, but why would this person do this is if they're on something like the Daily Mail, they probably aren't lying about who they are. I can explain that in theory. There's a couple of big reasons. The one that sounds the worst probably isn't the case, but could be. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to debunk some myths. Apparently somebody who's put out there at some point claiming to be a spy saying that these were things for detecting deception that are not. So what are these debunk myths we're going to look at. That's what we're going to talk about right here on Gray Man. Hiding in plain sight. So before we get in the article, let's look at the possibilities of why we could have this contradictory information. So for one is based on this lady's, what it appears in the article to be her time with the intelligence agency was just after around the time of 9-11. So this is prior to my entrance in the community. One of the things I did learn from that time frame, though, looking at the past as, as I came in just a couple of years later, is that there are things on the, where I started military intelligence has definitely changed. The entire prospect and process of interrogation for the military changed a lot about what we call source operations even some of the debriefing aspects did change and update things we learned during types of exposure and warfare just like a lot of warfare tactics up changes so one possibility is the individual was taught this stuff and then over time just because they left shortly thereafter and went to work for fbi or whoever didn't deal with this kind of stuff anymore, didn't have any updated information, is just recalling stuff they were taught. I have a hard time believing some of this was ever taught there, at least in that time frame. I'm sure older it was. There was a lot more known things then. The other thing is not everybody was trained heavily in that. They had a little bit of exposure. There, things that happen at places like the point or the farm is grossly misunderstood or overstated in movies and understated in some cases on how much they do. So, for example, we talked about surveillance detection, doing like surveillance detection routes. So the way it was done at a specific time frame, which I don't know right now, the training was about two weeks long, a lot shorter than a lot of people think. 
But it's because of how the efficiency of training is done, and they can do a lot in two weeks. And then guys that would go, say, to work for the agency who did stuff like the ground branch, for example, would do similar training, but they'd do, like, just the first week. So there's, there's things in there that I have a hard time thinking they were teaching the time frame, but they very well could have been. I wasn't there. That's not where I was trained, not at CIA. So that's one aspect. Another aspect is it's what I call – it's another way to look at stolen valor, but I see it with military people all the time. In fact, even – Recently, I went on this Air Force thing on Facebook just to poke the bear to see what happened. I'm just curious if people still got rattled over stuff, and, and they did. A statement I made that nobody disagreed with, but they just came after me because I had said it. Because they couldn't disagree with it, and then they were just, just they were losing their minds. It was hilarious. I'm sitting here. I, I literally, I know people put the memes out and go like, I do this to start a fight on Facebook, and here I'm eating potato chips. Like, I always think that's a funny meme, and people really, they're getting emotionally invested. I literally was eating chips at the time this happened, just watching this go on. I'm like, this is hilarious. But there's this insecurity some people have, and I see it in the military all the time. Guys like in uh, special operations, I call this operators that are not operators. Operators only exist in a few places from a couple of schools that are trained operators, and that's what they're called. Just like rangers go to ranger school, they're called rangers. We've talked about this before. And some people, I don't know, they're just not satisfied for what they're doing, whatever it is. Maybe somebody that was a bad teacher wasn't satisfied with themselves and tries to convince them, hey, you're, you know, you're this thing and you're not. So there's always a chance this person said, well, I'm a spy because I worked at CIA, which is not what makes you a spy. Don't know the person was a case officer. They also could have been a bad one. That's another another option. There's a lot of options there why they're saying this. I don't know the individual. I couldn't really narrow down. I can narrow down the time frame when the article was written. But what I can't narrow down is when these statements were made and why, at least in their entirety. So some of these statements, if they're 20 years old, definitely, as I said, could have been believed back then. So that that's a factor. But they're wrong, and we will outline them and explain them. And so there's nine of them. And it was, it's a poorly written article overall, but it was, see what I really think. It says things like she went undercover, she was trained to spot liars. If she was, I actually question the ways in which she got out of this job based on the time frame, but if she was using these skills, she wasn't doing well with it. So the first one was fidgeting. Let me see. It's not the worst one on the list, but it's near the bottom. That is not a sign of deception in, in any sense. Fidgeting is very common. The first thing you have to rule out, which is one of the easiest things, of course, is any physical reason why a person might be fidgeting, an environmental, like it's cold or something. There's things like that, but psychologically, and studies show one of the biggest deals for fidgeting is just nervousness, which has all kinds of reasons in the situation. For example, a person, especially younger, put into especially a place they're uncomfortable in, like like a room in a police station with a police officer who's law enforcement, figure of authority that can ruin their life, things they might do, fidget. Because they're nervous, they're scared. Those things happen. We saw fidgeting a lot. I was a career interrogator. I did it a lot, a lot of interrogation on more than one deployment. Got better at it all the time. Got better training from better places. Got training in this type of stuff. Did this real world for years. And I'm telling you, not a sign of deception. There are many factors. There's not just the baseline, okay, because... Um, even ones I talk about, there's things about establishing a baseline. I'll probably do another baseline show at some point, but things about a baseline you have to have anyway to determine this. But even after that, let's say you have the baseline, there's a lot more to it to determine just to say fidgeting is a sign of a liar. In fact, it's it would be an outlier situation that would come in a cluster with other things that were more reliable. The next one's speaking loudly. That one's pretty terrible. There's a lot of reasons why people speak loudly, especially if they got a little age on them, which might not be the only reason. It has to do with their ability to hear. They naturally talk louder, just like a person who's hearing impaired or deaf will talk differently and make different tones over time because they can't hear themselves speak because we don't realize that so much of the way our voice sounds 
happens because we can hear it. And that a great amount, you know, like when you, I was talking to Luke the other day, he's talking about hearing his voice and how different it is. And I'm, I'm used to it now, of course, been doing the podcast for years. But part of the reason why when you hear your voice, it sounds different to you is when you're talking out loud, I, don't, I can't remember the percentage, but it's over 50% of what you're actually hearing is internal to your head and is not the sound coming out of your mouth going into your ear. That's part of it, but it's definitely not the majority. So when you're hearing a recording, you're, you're, you're not actually speaking it anymore. You're listening to a recording, so you're only hearing it come into your ear. You're actually hearing it the way other people hear it. So it's, anyway, speaking loudly, no. There's also other things. People might feel like they need to speak loudly. It, it would be the same as saying speak it softly or quietly as a sign of deception, which people would do for all kinds of reasons, including being scared. Another one is using tears to avoid explanation. This is actually in direct contradiction to a lot of studies that are specifically geared around law enforcement, where people have looked into situations and interviewed, like women, for example, they're the primary people do it, or young kids that cry and, and force cry, or even thinking they can do that, but are a little bit scared and cry when talking to police. But the thing is, instead of using tears to avoid explanations, when it's actually used falsely for deception, they over-explain. That's why if you watch any of these TV shows that or documentaries, anything where they're showing police officers, and typically it's they're pulling over a woman and she wants to start crying, they're over-explaining. Not to such a degree where by itself the over-explaining might be deception. Maybe it is. There's a lot more you have to know there. Just the one thing doesn't tell you. You have to baseline with the individual. But when they force cry or fake cry to cover things, they actually <laughs> over-explain when they're lying, just like the way we've discussed in storytelling. It's a proven thing that's gone on for years. Avoiding explanation, there's a lot of reasons for it, including things like trying to figure out the answers. Confusion is the number one most common thing. There's other things there that are actually the responsibility of the person seeking the information that are not the responsibility of the person that we're claiming are lying. Also, they're not telltale signs of a liar because no such thing as a guess. The term's deception, but I think I've explained that enough at this point over the years. Another one is talking excessively but sharing no specific details. That also is inaccurate. One of the things we see with teenagers is that's very common and not even because of deception. We think it's deception because a lot of times, I've seen this with parents of teenagers, the majority of their interactions are negative about situations where in the way in which they question their kids or the kids take it as though they're being interrogated essentially. And if they end up even appearing to be upset or deceptive about it, they overshare essentially, over excessively explain in detail. But the thing is, the parents aren't seeing the fact that they do that quite a bit because of their age is very common. Doesn't mean it's always going to happen, but it's definitely not a sign anyway of deception by itself. It would take many other factors and adding that into the storytelling process we've explained before to isolate that as one possibility. But by itself saying that, not at all. That's one of the worst things on this list. Another one, going from calm to flying off the handle, not a sign of deception. Now this one has a higher, let me see. This has the highest degree of likelihood by itself to be deception on this list, but I wouldn't even gauge it as high as half the time. Part of this is uh, ego challenging somebody to point where it affects their ego where it, because of the way they're looking it affects their ego they realizing that they're failing they don't have a leg to stand on the conversation they get upset they can't handle it emotionally mature people will do this they'll have a stronger emotional reaction flying off the handle however you describe that is an emotional overreaction and that's typically for those reasons because they lack the emotional control and emotional maturity that's not a sign of deception many other factors that go in none of them by themselves even come close Next one's avoiding eye contact. That has more studies. That's the worst one on those because it has more studies than any of these on the list. A longer period of time, even things going back multiple generations where 
avoiding eye contact is a bigger sign of things like nervousness and shame and people that are shy, whereas it's the overuse of eye contact that is definitely a sign of deception. And it's more like an indicator. When I see it, I realize there's deception there. They're trying so hard to hide the deception, they won't break the eye contact. They have to maintain the concentration on you, what they're doing, things they're saying. They don't realize they're doing it. It's an overexpressed macro expression. That's your indicator to look further into what's being said. Start asking more repeat control questions. Other ways to approach this, picking the whatever you can do, whether it's access queuing, body language, whatever, to look for all these things about thought processes and things and with the baseline to figure out what is it we're being deceptive about here? What, what are we seeing that they're doing? Avoiding contact, not at all. People think that because of kids. When they're caught, they feel shame and they shy away. But the other thing, too, is a lot of times they do that in general, especially to parental figures, because of how that adult talks to them all the time. They are actually scared of them, and that adult doesn't believe it to be true. And the way in which they talk to their kid, their kid gets scared. They avoid contact. The adult says, oh, they're lying to me. They must be lying to me. Not the case at all. Another one, isolating individuals get their story to match. They listed this as a telltale sign of lying. It's not. That's a technique that can be used, along with many other things, to try to determine things about a story where a secondary part of it is identifying deception and lying. But at this point, we already know it's there because we have two or more people. We know they are both present. They have different stories, wildly different stories, even blaming each other for it. We know there's deception there. Maybe they're both. Maybe one of them's telling the truth, but definitely they're both telling some lies. They might all be telling lies. But we could put them apart and isolate them and determine whether or not or, you know, what things are different. So the way that techniques works is then by putting them apart, one of the things you start to see is them defending the other person and or themselves or blaming the other person and or themselves. And then we start to get more clear delineation between the stories. Then we can use that to challenge the other person plus whatever lying we do. Eventually, we might even put them back together. We could challenge them on what they said in front of the other person, but that's very dangerous to do. A lot of times what we do is just leave them in there. They don't even realize they're being recorded. And then because we've sowed enough seeds of doubt, then they start exposing themselves by one of them, usually giving direction to the other one as though they're in charge. And that tells us typically everything we need to know to really move forward based on the information we have to conduct the interrogation and get the intel we're looking for. So that's kind of a down and dirty of how that technique works, but it's not a sign of lying. And even by the way they wrote it, they should have figured it out. That's not a sign. It's just a technique that can be used but a lot to it. Let's see. The next one on the list says extreme over explanation of simple things. That is not really any different than the talking excessively without sharing specific detail where that happens. And the times that that can be used. And that's a horrible way to write it is when we talked about prologue and epilogue into a story process, which is something that had the training been there for this individual. I, this is why I think, I don't think this person's lying, but I think they, I'm not sure how to phrase it in the right way, but this is not what would have been said by somebody who had the training. Not They wouldn't have phrased it even remotely like this. But we've discussed that before in the stories about the over-explanation of things like the prologue, where explanation over-explanation, trying to justify why we did what we did without ex- before we even explain what we did. When you know, Tell me what you did. And then instead of telling you, I explained to you the justification of why I did the thing before I even said the thing. And it's a massive over-explanation compared to the amount of information to explain the thing that I did. That's a huge sign of deception. It's right up there with just completely staring you down and not breaking eye contact and going, yeah, we're going to dig into this deeper because this person's <laughs> this person's being deceptive somewhere. Let's find the lie. And then the other thing in there is saying lacking specifics. Like 
excessively but not sharing specific detail, right? Talk excessively but not share specific detail. That's one item. Another item, lacking in specifics, is the same freaking thing. That's a, that's a huge mistake in writing that I can't see being allowed to happen by somebody that understood this stuff. So while they claim there's nine things, there's really eight. And yeah, they're all wrong. There's only one that's slightly has some reality to it. And I don't know anything about this individual or why, why they're thinking those. I can't clarify when this information was really given. But those are some very common things, a few of which we've talked about before. There's preconceived notions, misconceptions people have because of things they were taught or told or they've read somewhere. Not like not too dissimilar from other things that they have no experience in and they don't seek out the information. And then they watch some terrible TV show or movie that tells them that, or they talk to somebody they think's an expert because they took two semesters of psychology in college, you know, and then they're like, all of a sudden they're the experts. Like, no, they're not. That's not, that's not how expertise works. So yes, uh, contradicted me because it's wrong. And you can look all this up. There's tons of peer reviewed journals Studies, mostly psychology-based, some law enforcement-based, a lot of intelligence stuff that's publicly available that explains this information, how it's used and why, and how the, the biggest thing, I guess I'll say this. This might sum up some things I've said and, and, and make it a little easier. The biggest thing when it comes to detecting deception is figuring out how to explore it, not just identify the possibility of it, but to explore it to verify where it actually is and why. And that's why I say sometimes, and it's more often than not, or not more often than not, more often than you realize when you really explore it to find out, well, why? And, you know, why for this person that thing? Why is it? Is it cultural? Is it something they taught? Why is it this person is not showing any sign of deception? Because we're calling this a lie. And it's like, well, it's not a lie for them. It's wrong. What we need to look at is why do they think it's right? You know, we find that a lot in people that are saying things that are wrong. But they believe it to be right. I, I see that a lot when I've watched some of the law enforcement interviews where they're talking to a suspect the thing they call interrogation that's not where there's times I see it and I go, they're explaining very well why they know what right is. Then they go and talk to this guy and these guys just denied it. And watching the guy and listen to him, like he's not being deceptive. He's not lying. He really believes this to be correct. But the police, because they don't have the training, they can't see that. And they're not even considering that an option. What they should be. I hope, I mean, what'd be great is if they had that training, because then they could, instead of trying to get frustrated, frustrating themselves and not realizing they could be like, well, why does he believe this to be true? Because that's like a key aspect of things in the intel world. When we deal with these human sources is why, why is this true to you? Why do you believe this to be true? Why, why is this fact? Why is this, why is it you think this thing? And we narrow down the why, the when, and the where, and they got it. And a lot of times it tells us why they think it's true. And it helps us understand why not just the date and validity of the information, but why something we know is horseshit. They just think's real. It's because that's what they're told sometimes. That's what they believe. It's really that simple. It's just missed by a lot of people because by nature we look for the negative. That's why when I've done a lot of these things or even when I did the contest, I talked about people always, even the people I talk to that communicate to me through the podcast, always, always, always using any of this stuff to look for the bad things because that's our nature, not trying to look for truthfulness. Nobody's looking for truthfulness and accuracy. Everybody's looking for deception. We call it detecting deception, but all along the way I've taught you just as many ways to dissect the truth and explain to you that that's what we're doing. But people don't do that. It's in our nature. Which is part of the reason why I keep trying to remind people that we see things how we are, not how they are. Meaning, however you're looking at these things, take a deeper look at yourself because you're probably looking for things that are exactly how you behave. Might be something that's worth checking out. <laughs>